In four films, Barry Jenkins has established himself as a high artist of the black American experience, gaining heft and budget from his success with Moonlight and If Beale Street Could Talk, Jenkins signed up both Brad Pitt's Plan B Pictures and Jeff Bezos's Amazon to tackle one of the biggest projects on race in America, the adaptation of Colson Whitehead's Pulitzer Prize-winning 2016 novel, The Underground Railroad. Our film critic, Harlan Jacobson, has more. While it may be tempting to see in Barry Jenkins' Tolstoyan adaptation of The Underground Railroad the influences of painters Julius Block, Cary James Marshall, and various film directors, as The New Yorker did in its review this week, all of us do project a bit of our own influences into likenesses we recognize. I just did with Tolstoy, for it's clear to me that both Jenkins and Whitehead saw the dying light of a way of illegitimate life in their big canvas stories. Jenkins' purpose in the Underground Railroad lies just beneath the surface, too. He links the savagery of the white aristocracy and its enforcers, the white working class, in the antebellum South to its persistence into today's headlines. There is Derek Chauvin and George Floyd here, though the film and novel predate them. The story is a perennial. There is Dante Wright, Brianna Taylor, Philando Castile, Eric Garner, Tamir Rice, and on and on and on back through Emmett Till and the massacre at Tulsa a hundred years ago this May 31st. The Underground Railroad follows the runaway slave girl, Cora Randall, off the Randall Plantation in Georgia, up through the Carolinas and the Forest of Strange Fruit, through burning Tennessee and utopian Indiana, pursued by Ridgeway, a bounty hunter. As Cora, Thuzo Ambedu, a South African girl of 19 during filming, carries distrust in her eyes, which are way too tender to bear such burden as she reads every single face. Her very freedom is an affront to her hunter, Ridgeway, a rebuke to his doctrine, Manifest Destiny, by which it was the white European man's right in America to take what was rightfully his by virtue of his superiority. Actor Joel Edgerton almost whips himself into speaking in tongues, delivering it. Where do they go? The ones that run away and never return. There is nothing here but suffering. girl in that bulletin is wanted for the murder of a child. Man lost my mom. Then me. Ain't no way he ever given up on finding me. There's anger in you. It'll fuel you, yes, but... What's the worst kind of fuel? The worst kind. Savagery a man is capable of when he believes his cause to be just. You came all this way on the railroad? Yeah. I left behind all those people. There are other great characters and performances here. Chase Dillon as Homer, Ridgeway's little black man-child accomplice. Aaron Pierre as Caesar and William Jackson Harper as Royal, both slave men who reach Cora. Peter Mullen as Old Ridgeway, 
So, so many utterly credible people on screen. The antecedent, of course, is the 1977 eight-part series of Alex Haley's Roots on ABC in its depiction of white barbarity, mild by the standards of the last decade's films. Foundational as original long-form television narrative, Roots connected a contemporary black writer to his pre-slavery lost African dignity. Jenkins and the team of writers here, led by Jihan Crowther, take aim instead at the contemporary angry whites we identify for short as Proud Boys, the angry little man who drove his car into the Black Lives Matter crowd in Charlottesville, Virginia four years ago, the Trump Confederacy of Dunces who sacked the Capitol in January. Just so you know, there is in the Underground Railroad the anger of language, the anger of image. While this past year's best picture, Nomadland, did something daring by taking us inside the adrift white working-class American soul, Jenkins lines up the white ship of state from top to bottom and puts it in period costume. Chapter 1's climax ups the antebellum from whipping to immolation in front of a white garden party. Jenkins takes no prisoners, but his style is the majestic canvas of the plantation and its tragic people. Moving backwards in time, Jenkins has created an expanding trilogy in look, budget, and length. Again, he calls on James Laxton, his cinematographer on Moonlight, which had the smallest budget, $1.5 million, to ever win Best Picture, the year Warren Beatty inadvertently gave the Oscar to La La Land. Moonlight daringly scrambled current black stereotypes. Laxton also shot If Beale Street Could Talk, Jenkins' adaptation of James Baldwin's civil rights-era novel of white-on-black collision. Again, here we see the work of production designer Mark Friedberg and a glorious costume department. In the Underground Railroad, Jenkins makes full use of Amazon's million-dollars-a-day budget to pursue a survivor's story. In its politics, there are no white saviors, as in 12 Years a Slave. There's something of the doom of Judas and the Black Priest and the family of characters in Spike Lee's best work. There's no justifiable slave rebellion, as in the ill-fated Nate Parker's The Birth of a Nation, which is the question that haunts both the plantation and the gas chamber. Why would so many simply look on? Because in the face of terror, we are terrified, and Jenkins is there with his sight and sound team to capture the big picture of those we lost and still lose. In noting his tremendous feel for the landscape, the New Yorker Review this week said Jenkins does for the antebellum South what J.M.W. Turner did for the sea. Well, not quite. Jenkins does for the Black Witness what director Mike Lee did for Turner in his 2014 film Mr. Turner by seeing in his character the internal fire of angry serfdom ultimately rising to outperform the manor class, busy being consumed by itself. Like the British director Mike Lee, Jenkins is a high American artist, an auteur. The Underground Railroad takes work. It is a different sort of escapist cinema, engaged filmmaking of great heart about escape. There's a certain disjointedness to its long-form narrative that one simply trusts one's way through. There's the confusing forward telegraphing of scenes to come at the end of chapter one, a kind of nervous production error. 
There's a moment in chapter 1, 2, when Korah stops to see nothing we can see and that we don't see until we learn more about Mabel, her lost mother, at the end. Finally, there's the Underground Railroad itself and what you make of it, which the novel saw not as a metaphor but as something real. Jenkins' adaptation gives it a different and lighter weight. It's something fantastic, more of a fabulous device for a survivor to find a way forward by what lies beneath the surface. I urge you to see what real escapist cinema looks like in the underground cinema. And I'm Harlan Jacobson.